There is nothing worse than finding broken eggs in the nesting box. To prevent this tragedy, I use Eaton Pet and Pastures premium nesting box pads. Using nesting box pads gives my hardworking hens a soft, safe place to lay, which means I find more eggs intact when I go to collect them. And when it comes time to refresh the nest, cleanup and setup is so fast and easy. When combined with Eaton Pet and Pastures hemp bedding, coop cleanup day is simple. So I'm back to relaxing and watching chicken TV in no time. Make the switch today to Eaton Pet and Pastures premium nesting box pads. Made for a happy pet, healthy planet, and is a farm choice that aligns with my values. Get 20% off your first order from Eaton Pet and Pasture by going to eatonpetandpasture.com and using code ZEROCLUX20. This is Positively Farming Media. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Oh, hey there, Sam. Oh, hey there, Bev. How's it going? Oh, it is going really awesome over here. And I'm really excited about today's episode. Me too. And I was actually really surprised that you even wanted to talk about the S word. Because I know how you feel about the S word. Yeah, yeah. The S word is like one of my least favorite words. But so it's starting to grow on me. And I think... You guys will hear why (laughs) in this episode, but the S word that we are referring to is superfoods. Yes. So if you've been with us for a while in our much earlier episodes, Bev expressed her hatred towards the word superfood. It's kind of like one of those cheesy, sleazy marketing terms most of the time. So I can I can resonate why with why that might come off a little yuck. But today I think we're going to add a little yum to superfood and not so much yuck. Yes, yes, we are. Because we're going to talk about super weeds that are superfoods. So these are like free superfoods that just like grow. If you grow in a space where weeds are abundant and they don't all have spikes on them, that's the caveat. Don't all have spikes on them. Yeah. You know, super dry mm-hmm. places probably aren't going to get a lot of these weeds. But, you know, if <laughs> if you garden and if, you know, weeds are something that you tackle, I'm sure one of these edible weeds is out there for you. Right. So we're not really encouraging you to just go outside into your yard and start stuffing random weeds into your mouth and <laughs> hope that you're getting all kinds of good nutrition. We're not. So, Bev, do you... <laughs> I mean, I feel like you can go out and live your life however you would like, but I don't think I can endorse, you know, being your own weed whacker here. But Bev, do you know of like a resource that maybe our listeners could look at for foraging for these kinds of super weeds? Yes. Before we get into all of the nitty gritty of today's episode, I highly recommend uh, that you go check out the Black Forager. She is Black Forager on Instagram. 
And she actually has tons of videos about the specific superweeds slash superfoods that we're going to talk about today. There will be links to some of those videos in the show notes. And she does a really good job of giving you the information on like what makes it poisonous if there's like one if there's a lookalike that's poisonous like how to tell that and also she helps tell you if there is a lookalike that's poisonous because then you know like hey I need to be on higher alert when I'm looking for this specific super weed because the last thing you want to do is really like get the wrong one and then yeah I mean it's clearly not super (laughs) if it kills you so (laughs) no no it's not gonna make you a superhero no no you could just be super sick yeah if you do this wrong yeah that is exactly right So there will be a link to her Instagram page in the show notes so that you can go check her out and see some of her cool foraging videos and compare videos and all that good stuff. But before we get into this week's episode, we'll say cheers to our drink peeps, which is Kayla Wood at Honeycrink Homestead over on the Instagram and Emily Hake at Emily Hake on the Instagram. So cheers, ladies. Cheers. All right. So I feel like, you know, we're going to talk about super weeds today, but in general, we talk down to weeds a lot on this podcast. We talk about how we hate weeding, how we're going to lay down a bunch of weed cloth barrier material to prevent weeds because we hate them. And and generally, they're an unwanted plant, right? Yeah, that's that's pretty much what makes a weed, right? It's something that grows... And you don't want it. Or it grows unexpectedly and you don't want it. Because otherwise you'd call it a volunteer, right? Yes, that's true. (laughs) Like volunteer lettuce, volunteer sunflowers. I had a ton of those last year. Those are happy accidents. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Super happy accidents. But with weeds, some of them can be happy accidents and some of them can't be. But the weed killer industry has actually made a killer fortune, which is like lots of money, by making these plants out to be bad or a nuisance or invasive, using terms like that to kind of like scare you away from wanting to have them in your yard, when there's actually a lot of really cool stuff that you could do with them if you knew what to do and knew what they were. Right. So if you really think about it, As a human being, if you're outside walking around, you're walking by or even on thousands of weeds every year. They're everywhere. So today we're going to talk more about what the super weeds are. So maybe you won't be as hateful towards the weeds. Maybe you won't want to pull them out of the ground and just dispose of them. Uh, Because we're going to talk about five of many weeds that are not only edible, but highly nutritious. So, what would you call the poster child of weed that we'll talk about today? So, I would definitely call that the dandelion because that's like one of the most recognized weeds out there. And I believe that that is the weed that most people, or I don't even want to say most people, I don't like generalizing, but it's a weed that the whole thing is actually usable. Like the the leaves and the flower is usable on it. And they can basically be found anywhere that 
dandelions or grass grows. And they're really easy to identify because they've got their white puffball seed heads or their bright yellow flowers that make them easy to see. And, you know, uh, another thing that I can offer here too, I don't even know if anybody on the podcast knows. I don't even know if you know. The day before I went into the hospital, we bought a tortoise. (gasps) Oh, I didn't know that. You bought a tortoise? What? Yeah, for my husband's birthday, we went to a pet store and got a tortoise. His, the type is escaping me right now, but it's one that stays a little smaller. Obviously, they still get bigger. But he got, uh, he's a little guy. He's some kind of red-headed something. I'll have to follow up on that. But we got one, and he loves... You'll have to bring him in and show him. Yes. Yeah, he's very cute. His name is Tito, and that is like the vodka. But also wanted Jameson to have something easy to say because our thought is they can kind of like grow up together because tortoises live a really long time if you take care of them. Mm-hmm. So uh, he loves dandelions, especially the leaves of the dandelions, too. So that was what we fed him a lot last summer because that is in abundance around us. So this isn't just for us humans it's also nutritional to some animals as well oh yeah no that's a really great point i'm glad that you pointed that out and what's cool too is like so tortoises they don't have like as many taste buds as like people do so they'll eat them while they're bitter or older or a little tougher but if you're wanting to consume them as a person the best time to harvest them would be when the plant is really young And the leaves are really small. So the smaller the leaves, the better. Those are going to be less bitter. And the flowers can be used to make dandelion jelly or dandelion wine also, which is pretty cool. So all sorts of fun stuff. Yummy. So wine that's like very nutritious, that feels like you're kind of cheating or winning at life. (laughs) It does, doesn't it? Yeah. And one of the reasons why the dandelion is considered a superfood or a super nutritious food is because its super deep taproot is able to go really deep into the ground and take up minerals. So if you've ever pulled one of those out and actually gotten like the whole, like, I I mean, I've pulled, I've pulled taproots out that are like as long as my legs easily. That's how deep those things can get. And so that allows it to take up some of the minerals that like a typical lettuce or spinach couldn't take up. And they're also some of the most nutrient dense greens in the world, which is kind of surprising, but it does definitely have a little bit of a weedy flavor. So if if you aren't into, if you don't like arugula, I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb and say that dandelion probably isn't for you. But if you're an arugula fan, I highly recommend giving that one a try. It's so funny because I grew arugula, I think it was two years ago. And Matt's like, what is this, a dandelion? And he like, he's like, it's so bitter. I don't like it. But I mean, if you're in a survival situation, like we watch a lot of like the show Naked and Afraid here. Oh, so you know my favorite one, Jake Nate, Jake Nodar. Do you know him? <laughs> If I saw the face, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. He, he was on yeah. Naked and Afraid, and he farms. I've actually never seen Naked and Afraid. I'm just friends with him on Instagram. So he has a farm. Oh. Yeah. Yes. So you guys will have to go check him out at Jake Nodar. Yeah. I'll, I'll look it up and throw it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So this, is, this uh, weed, the dandelion, is actually more nutrient-dense than spinach, kale, and lettuce. So... 
maybe get a little adventurous and throw some in your salad or something. Especially like Bev said, if you're an arugula fan, go for it. Because just one cup of dandelion greens that are raw contains 115% vitamin A, 535% vitamin K, 32% vitamin C, and 10% calcium, along with many other vitamins and minerals. That's a lot of good stuff. Yeah, that is a lot of good stuff. And they're rich in fatty acids, which is good for your joint health. So, you know, I talk about how bad my back hurts all the time. Maybe I just need to eat more dandelions. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to see Instagram videos of Bev over the summer just eating fistfuls of dandelions and then telling us how her back feels better. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's exactly it. (laughs) It's it's an experiment worth trying, you know, just throw some dressing on it. It'll be fine. Put them in tacos. (laughs) Douse it in some ranch. Ooh, tacos. Yeah. (laughs) Love it. All right. What's our next weed that's on our list? Chamomile. Ah, I love chamomile. Yes. Don't you have some growing in your yard too? I do. So I planted, I actually, the only reason I have chamomile in my yard is because I planted some, but it spreads so fast and reseeds. So, you know, like how people say that mint will take over a garden bed. Mint will definitely take over a garden bed, but so will chamomile. And chamomile will take over everything outside of the garden bed too. So the chickens actually scratched our chamomile out of the garden bed that they were in. But there's like giant clumps of the flowers all around the garden bed. So I'm going to go over there with a spade and dig them up and put them back in the garden bed and see if I can't save them. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, chamomile is nice because it's one of those ones that you can plant it in your yard once and just like get a ton of it like forevermore because it it's invasive for lack of a better word. (laughs) In a good way. Yeah. Um, Maybe we'll use the word abundant. Abundant. I like that. Um, Because that sounds more positive if it's something you want Mm -hmm. around. It is part of the daisy family. The leaves are very small and wiry and fennel-like, and the flowers are rounded and either yellow or yellow with white petals. And this plant has a lot of benefits. I mean, I think most people have heard of chamomile tea, and that is a go-to tea for helping with things like anxiety, sleep deprivation, upset stomach, bloating, and cold and flu symptoms. So it's a handy tea to keep on on or in your house if you're into tea. I wouldn't say chamomile is like my favorite tea, but it's not bad. I don't mind it. Yeah, from a flavor standpoint, it's a little bare bones, I guess, for lack of a better word. Like it doesn't have a ton, but I actually do harvest our chamomile and I make it into tea uh, all winter long. I usually actually use it in soap because it's like you can grind up the whole thing and it kind of scents soap pretty well. Uh, or I'll just like sprinkle them all on the top, which I really like. Or I'll throw a handful in the bathtub because I guess I like taking a bath with weeds. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey, whatever floats your boat. Yeah, yeah. But chamomile is a really just like nice all around herb slash flower that can grow wild. Or be planted and forced to grow wild. (laughs) Yes. So if you're going to try it out, just recognize that if if you do want to take the plunge with cannamomeal and consume it, there's a ton of vitamin A, vitamin C, 
as well as the minerals zinc and magnesium, which are both very important minerals. And a lot of people are actually have a magnesium deficit. And when you have a magnesium deficit, you can have things like anxiety. You could actually have higher blood pressure because of a magnesium deficiency as well. So don't go out and just take a bunch of magnesium because you do have to keep it balanced with things like potassium, zinc, and calcium. You want all of those to be balanced in order, in order for you to absorb it properly too. It's actually really hard to eat enough foods that can meet that magnesium need too. So really like look at your labels. If you're eating whole foods and not a bunch of processed stuff, it's probably a little easier to get all your magnesium. But yeah, be on the lookout for that. If, if you're having some of those issues, it might help you. It might not. Some people are more sensitive to magnesium or other things like this than other people. So yeah, but it's worth maybe trying or talking to like a nutritionalist about. Not nutritionalists. No, no. I do a lot of reading. So I I know a lot of things, but it doesn't mean I know what will work for a a certain human being. Like medicine should be very personalized. So take what I say with a grain of salt and go talk to somebody with a degree. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I like that. Yes. After a long day of work and family responsibilities, my fave way to unwind and reset is with my flock throwing a grubbly happy hour. The best part about a Grubbly happy hour is I can enjoy it in whatever way I want. I can choose to do a leisurely stroll as my feathered friends follow me for more, rage throw them at the sky so I can get over the mess my kids left on the counter, or sometimes I go all out and make my flock their own special Grubbly's donuts and sneak myself a treat to eat without anyone whining to ask for some. All I need is a bag of Grubbly's and like five minutes to myself. Seriously, I'm a new person after I've had a short, grubbly happy hour with my cluckin' BFFs. To get yours, go to grublyfarms.com and use code DRINKINFARM25 for 25% off your first bag of grublies. And take the mental stress off your happy hour planning by subscribing to have your grublies auto-delivered. You'll save on every shipment. All right, what's next on our list? All right, our next weed is actually my favorite weed. And I know that sounds weird to like have a favorite weed. And it is purslane. And purslane is something that I think when you see a picture of it, you'll recognize it immediately. It's like a low-lying kind of like succulent type of plant. And it's been consumed as a staple green in several cultures, like all the way back down to ancient times. And in Chinese medicine, it's said that the leaves of purslane were used to cure confusion and aid in memory. And uh, it grows like all over the place. And I actually got introduced to purslane because we used to get this thing called Bountiful Baskets when we lived in Phoenix. And they would give us like a a harvest share of local fruits and vegetables and things that were in season. And purslane was one of the things that they included in it. And it turns out it's just a weed, which I thought was really cool. (laughs) And it does. It tastes really good. It has like a nice, like kind of like crunch to it because it's a little more like cellulose-y, I guess, for lack of a better word. So it adds like a nice like texture and stuff to your salads or things that you put it on. And also it just kind of like tastes good. It's got like a slight lemony citrus flavor and it can kind of feel a little like 
slippery like a cactus, I guess, if you've ever eaten cactus. Uh, I'm from the desert, so I've eaten cactus. Gosh, I wonder, do I have anything I can compare it to that somebody's eaten? <laughs> I mean, I didn't know you could eat cactus. <laughs> That's new to me. Yeah, you got to take, take all the spines out first because it'll stab you in the mouth, and that's not fun. But, yeah, purslane is really cool. It actually has the highest amount of omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids amount by weight on any green on Earth. So, like, if you're going to add one weed to your diet, purslane, along with dandelions. There, we'll put them together. <laughs> Make a purslane, dandelion, and chamomile salad. <laughs> yes, I love it. So one cup of raw purslane contains 44% the daily value of vitamin A and 35% vitamin C, 25% iron, which is huge. That's a lot of iron for a plant. 17% magnesium, 12.5% copper, which is also an important mineral for absorption, and then almost 350 milligrams of that omega-3 Bev was talking about. So yeah. Yeah, go all, it sounds like we just need to find all these plants, do some clipping, throw them in a salad, maybe throw some uh, chicken in there if you're into that sort of thing, um, and go to town. I mean, or yeah. you can just put them in like your green smoothies and stuff. Actually, purslane would be really great in a green smoothie if you have a really good blender. One thing about purslane, though, that I will let you know is there is a lookalike to purslane that is poisonous, and it also is very prolific and grows everywhere also. It's called spurge. And the Black Forge actually has it has an Instagram reel specifically on these two plants, and we'll link to that specific video in the show notes so you can see the difference between spurge and purslane. Purslane is a little like meatier and like friendlier looking. I mean, spurge spurge looks like spurge, like it has that that angry name, and it looks angrier. It's got like <laughs> sharper edges, and it's not as juicy. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It's like wiry and evil looking. <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah. I just looked it up. It does look similar, but it is different. Yeah. So, so it's, it's easy enough to see the difference. Like once you know the difference, but if you had only heard purslane be described and then you went out looking for it, you might mistake spurge for purslane. So definitely go look at the difference in the pictures. So what's next on our list? Next is lamb's quarter, which is an aggressive growing plant. And I know we definitely have some of that around here because I did look it up. But you can see this on roadsides, ditches, fields, and other places where the land has gone on unmanaged, which parts of our land here are very unmanaged, um, no matter how hard we try. <laughs> So this plant can grow very tall, and I'm pretty sure some of this has been in my front garden bed that when the weeds have gotten taller than me. This is like the star of the show out front because it's tall and has soft gray lobbed leaves. It almost looks like slightly silvery. And when they're young, the leaves are reminiscent of what spinach looks like. And actually, it has a delicate flavor and can be delicious raw or cooked. So you have some options there if you want to get a little adventurous with your lamb's quarters. I actually was weeding the other day and I grabbed some of that and ate it because I had already written the show notes for this episode. I did not care for it, but maybe it was too old. It was a little, I didn't like the mouthfeel. It was a little funny in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mouthfeel is important. It is. Yeah, it's very important. I mean, it doesn't help that I also like just picked it out of the ground and ate it. I don't know who does that. I do. But it probably would have been better if I had rinsed it and, you know, put it with other things. Maybe throwing some ranch on it. <laughs> yeah. So if it was an older plant and the leaves were more mature, lamb's quarters can give a more bitter and uh, more bitter taste. So sauteing them with things like chicken can help it along if you have an older plant that you're looking to maybe get some benefit from. But yeah, if you're out in your garden and it's a younger plant, it might go over a little better. Not sure that I would feel that adventurous. I think I'd try dandelion over lamb's quarter. Dandelion looks a little happier. It does. I don't know. It's brighter. It's like a brighter color and it doesn't look so fuzzy. <laughs> yes. But lamb's quarter was eaten as a staple food during the Great Depression. So for a sad looking plant, it did help a lot of people during a sad time. Yeah. It sure did. That's pretty cool. <laughs> because of the consumption of lamb's quarter during the Great Depression, it actually gave rise to a popular term called famine food, which I feel like I've heard of before, but it makes sense, you know, to, to label this plant that if it was a staple food during that era. Yeah, I could totally see that. So if you're curious of the health benefits of lamb's quarter, 100 grams of the leaves, which is like four, a little less than four ounces, in case you don't do grams. <laughs> it's about the size of a normal, like a normal side salad. It contains about 16% of your dietary fiber, 133% of your daily value of vitamin C, 232% of vitamin A, 31% of your calcium, 26% of your riboflavin, and 13% of your potassium. And it also adds 310 milligrams to your omega-3 fatty acids, which is that really important one from earlier. So, All right. So moving on to purple dead nettle. Which doesn't sound like something I want to put in my mouth. It doesn't, because nettle is, like, really spiky, sharp. I don't know. It's angry. <laughs> yes. It's aggressive. It's aggressive. That's the And when you put it. the word dead in there, too, it's not pleasant. But purple dead nettle is in the mint family and is called dead nettle because of its apparent resemblance to stinging nettle. Minus the sting. Yes. Yeah. So it's like, a, so it's dead because it doesn't hurt you. <laughs> yes. So dead is good in this situation, right. apparently. <laughs> this plant is easy to identify with its square stem, like all mint family plants. It has fuzzy leaves and purple tops with little pink flowers. So that sounds a little happier than the name, if there's little pink flowers involved. Have you ever gone by like a corn or a soybean field around this time of year and it's like all purple? I mean, nothing is colored here this time of year. Everything is very brown. Well, maybe maybe for you <laughs> it'll be in a couple of weeks. Ours is just now starting. But in all the soybean fields and corn fields, the purple is purple dead nettle growing out all over them. And then it'll get tilled into the soil. And I did just look it up and I know what this is. Yes. Yes, this is familiar. Okay. Yeah, all over the place. I haven't been brave enough to eat this one. <laughs> so if you were to eat it, how how is it suggested that you go about consuming purple dead nettle? So they're better used as like an herb garnish because they're another one of those like fuzzy kind of weed superfoods <laughs> and mixed with other greens in your recipe. So they're not really like the star of the show, so to speak. 
And you could use fresh dead nettle along with chickweed, dandelion greens, and other superfood weeds to make a wild greens pesto, which would be kind of cool. I'm, I'm tempted to give that a try, especially because you can get like wild onions this time of year could go in your wild pesto. You probably need to, you probably need to throw some garlic in there too, but that, that actually sounds really delicious. You could also add it to your soup, salads, or blend it into smoothies. So you'd use it kind of like you would any other green leafy vegetable or herb. Nice. All right. So what is our final super weed? Okay. So our final super weed, and if anybody was counting, you actually noticed that we already talked about five. So this would be number six. So it's like a bonus <laughs> super weed. But bonus. the reason why I didn't include it in the list is because this one is commonly found on the lists of super weed foods, but I actually didn't find any evidence that it grows wild as an actual weed because there are so many lookalike plants to it. The probability is that people confuse the lookalike plants for this plant, but this is one that's really easy to grow. It spreads really nicely, and you can usually get like plant starts from the nursery and whatnot, and that is Vietnamese coriander. And so it's a member of the knotweed family. So knotweeds are like those, they're like skinny and they like spread out. I think spurge, I think spurge is in the knotweed family, if I'm remembering right. It looks kind of it looks a little bit like that. And it will be perennial if, if you live around zone nine, but not in the Midwest. It's not going to be perennial because <laughs> it's a tropical plant. <laughs> right. It'll die. Yeah, it'll die. <laughs> and actually, it's a substitute for cilantro that doesn't bolt because it really likes like hot tropical weather. So I'm on the lookout for some right now because I would like to put that in my garden and compare it to cilantro because I always grow giant patches of cilantro, but by April, they're flowering and gross. And it always makes me sad because cilantro is like my favorite. So it's tough. Yeah. Me too. It's tough to keep on top of when, yeah, when that weather starts picking up. But I, I agree, it's one of my favorites. So if there's something that's comparable that doesn't behave like that, I'd be down. Well, and I'm thinking like because it's a because it's a tropical plant, like if you just like dig up a little patch of it and put it in a pot in your office for the winter time, then you would have like your start to go take out there and plant every year, which would be kind of useful. It's also uh, an aphid attractant. So you could use it as like a trap crop around plants that tend to get overrun with aphids. So Nice. I love that. So the younger leaves on this plant are tender and have the most flavor. So it sounds like you'd want to harvest this pretty early. And then to use it, you'd slice the foliage into small strips and add them to fresh spring rolls or green salads. Um, you could also add them to chicken and potato salads, which I'm a big fan of. Asian-inspired soups, noodles, and curries. So this is like a very versatile type weed, not weed. And when we say not weed, it doesn't, we're not saying it's not a weed. It's K-N-O-T, like a tie a knot. <laughs> so just, just for your awareness there, because at first I was like, not a weed. Oh, not, not. Okay. Not, not. Yeah. Not, the, not. the not weed family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And these are actually best grown from cuttings, but you can also start them from seeds as well. So you have two options there for how to get a hold of that and, and keep it 
growing. Yeah. And so that's all that we've got for this fun conversation about superweeds, super, superfood, superweeds. There we go. Yeah. So for the show notes from today's episode, go to drinkandfarm.com slash 230, or you can do givezerooclocks.com slash 230, whatever you prefer. And then um, who do we shout out for our Patreon this week? Uh, our Patreon peeps this week are Ashley Davis, Tonya Harold, Kimberly Taylor, and DC Teitzel. So cheers to our MV peeps. And our MV peeps, and actually all of our peeps, uh, at the $5 level and above have access to our after hours. And in the after hours for this episode, we're actually going to dive into the history of superfoods. So like where that term even came from and why it's used today. So go over to patreon.com slash drink and farm and you will get to listen to that after hours where we discuss that fun history, kind of give you a little a little fun fact, small talk lesson. Yeah. <laughs> Something you can use for those things. About why Bev hates the word. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know I'm gonna rant about that, right? <laughs> yes. And you'll you guys will wanna hear that. It it'll probably give you a good giggle or two. Yeah, yeah it will. <laughs> All right. So until next time. Drink. Farm. And give zero clucks. Bye now. Bye. We drink things. We farm things. We drink and farm.